an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors, that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod. Or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1102. Let's talk about the ID10T shop for a second, ID10T.com. Big 40% off sale off everything in the shop up through Black Friday. Uh, of course, the day after Thanksgiving. And so 40% off now uh, for all that stuff. And then at the, weekend, the week after that... We start rolling in the holiday gear. So uh, go to ID10T.com. We have cool stuff. We're adding more all the time. And join our email list. It is not, we will not email you all the time. Um, but uh, every so often, just to keep you informed of things, podcast episodes, sales, interesting things that we found. I really want to curate just like unique stuff. That's why I love vintage items. And, you know, I might start putting like animation cells and things like that in there too. So it's, it's really, I'm really kind of, I want to build this like shop of curiosities and oddities. So uh, yeah, that's ID10T.com. Go check that out. But let's talk about the ID10T community right now. Events at ID10T.com for your thing. But this week, I want to talk about a friend of the podcast, my friend Drew Scott, who is a property brother. He is one half of the property brothers, which I believe is responsible for most of the programming on HGTV, but um, Drew and his wife, Linda, who is also just wonderful. I, I love them both. So I love, I love the whole Scott family, but, uh, but Drew and Linda have this really great podcast called At Home. I did it a while ago, and then he and Linda came on, and Lydia came on on this podcast, uh, and we talked about it some more. But, you know, whereas, like, the HGTV stuff, it really just kind of focuses on getting people into their homes. But Drew and Linda do the show from their home. They are literally at home. And it's just about the ins and outs of what happens like once you're in your home and how to make it happy and healthy. And it's like relationship advice and eating healthier and how to make the planet better and just uh, all these kind of like, it's just more of a holistic approach. And uh, I adore them both. So I wanted to give it a plug, uh, give it a mention on our podcast, uh, how to make your house a home. Um, at Home is the name of the podcast. It is At Home on Apple. Uh, all of the social media is just slash At Home, A-T-H-O-M-E, At Home. So go check it out. Drew and Linda, um, like I said, we absolutely adore them and just, just the sweetest, 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 sweetest folks. So um, thank you to Drew and Linda for having me on your show, and I hope people uh, go listen. This episode is Nick Frost, who is one of the funniest people alive. 
Of course, you know, you know Nick Frost. Nick's been on the podcast before, by the way, two or three times, I think. But, uh, you know, the Cornetto trilogy films and all the amazing things he's done, Shaun of the Dead. And, and I mean, he's just, he makes me laugh so hard. This podcast was so fun. The only thing that would have made it better is if he was, in, he, he was here in person, which is not a thing that we can do right now. But someday I would love for him to come back in person because he's just a fun guy to be around. Uh, but he's promoting uh, Truth Seekers, which is a really great like ghost hunting comedy that he uh, – it's on Amazon right now. He and Simon Pegg and a fellow named James Serafinowicz wrote it, and um, it's great. Liddy and I watched it. They're all like half-hour episodes uh, there's like six or seven or eight episodes, and it's a it, great cast. Everyone on it's really funny. And so if you're looking for something to uh, to watch while you're sitting around the house, then I highly recommend Truth Seekers. Uh, and then also, Nick has joined the cast of Why Women Kill with Allison Tolman, who has also been on the podcast, who is also an incredible, incredible actor and, uh, and comedy person as well. So um, Nick Frost has a lot of stuff coming out that you can that you can watch truth seekers is available now it's available right now so as soon as this podcast is done you can go watch it uh here's the id10d podcast number 1102 with mr nick frost initiating id10t protocol I'm sorry, I was two minutes late. I was I had a piano lesson right before you, and so just oh, that's nice. Yeah, is it good? How long have you been doing it? Um, about uh, let's see, I started in January of 2019. Okay, and I've been doing I've been doing guitar and piano lessons via Zoom and FaceTime. That's uh, that's been a lot of my quarantine time. <laughs> wow, clever clogs. <laughs> well, you, have you been? Are you? Are you? Have you been shooting during everything, or are you? It was everything- uh, bits and pieces. I mean, I start shooting something on Monday. Uh, I'm, I, in, I'm, in, I'm in LA right now. Oh, you are! Oh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I've heard those. Uh, I've heard those transcontinental flights are really eerie because it's like I had a friend who flew to back and forth to the UK a couple months ago, and she was like, "There were maybe forty people on this whole giant plane." <laughs> yeah. Also, getting through customs and stuff was weird, and. I got detained. What? I got detained in LA, and he said that guy was saying to me, "You don't want well, you don't want us in Europe, and we don't want Mr. Trump doesn't want you here." Oh, jeez! And then he said something like, "He says you only get these visas if you're Paul McCartney or Cher," <laughs> which is really weird. <laughs> just these, just those two people. Those are the only two people. That's the, he's only ever seen those two people get this visa. <laughs> so uh how long are you in la for i'm here till april oh wow uh it's the longest i've ever been here so uh after like years of saying i'm no, no way i'll never i'll never live in la for but then you know they've been very good and they, <laughs> the role was great and uh the scripts are great and they, i literally couldn't say no so all my family are coming over in in like a four weeks 
That's nice. And this is this you're talking about shooting the season two of how of why women kill. Yeah, yeah. With Allison Tolman, who is so amazing, by the way. Yeah, she. Yeah, we've. I haven't met her. You know, we're we're doing like scenes together on Monday, and she's my wife, so it's going to be weird. Which I think is going to work oddly. There being like a weird disconnect between people in the forties where you couldn't really touch them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like every everything we know about the forties and fifties from television. It's like everyone had separate beds. Yeah, yeah. husbands and wives slept in these weird twin beds. Which I was that standard, or was that just television? Because it was they didn't. It's like that in Sweden and Denmark now. No one has double beds. They all have big single beds. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I think is great. I love it. (laughs) I know that I'm such an insomniac that I'll wake up a lot of times in the middle of the night and I just shift around a lot. So usually about like four o'clock in the morning, I'll get up and just go in the other room so I don't wake my wife up. And she's like, are we... Are we establishing separate rooms? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just don't want to wake you up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm often up at 3 a.m. and I kind of set up a little camp in the front room on the couch. So what what is it that gets you up at 3 a.m.? Is it like, is it, ha- is it because we're getting older and we have to pee in the middle of the night? Is it just like you sleep for like four hours and then wake up and that's just your sleep cycle? What is it? Yeah, I'm kind of up then. I'm up and I'm thinking. and But there is there is like an hour when I go downstairs when I kind of set up the pillows in a kind of nice way and I get like a really amazing hour down there on my own. And then yeah. like my partner comes down with a baby and they wake me up and stuff. <laughs> but you I had in a nice kind of way, not, not like in a punish. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being punished by being no, woken you, you up. Gotta be, no. But you, but you got to be on, you have that hour to yourself, that golden hour. And then it's like, okay, now I got to be on. Yes. Yeah, exactly. How, how old is the baby? Uh, he's, um, I don't, my girl, I can hear my girlfriend saying, don't you dare tell him how old she is. He is. So I, I'm just, I try to keep him out of the, you know. But it's a, ba- but it's a baby, basically. It's a baby, yeah. Well, the only reason I'm asking is because we're about to go down this road. Okay. So I'm just, I, you know, I'm just looking for any bits of, uh, you know, fatherly advice in our, especially no, like. Make sure, age. make sure they don't die. <laughs> oh my God, that's great advice. Anything, so anything saying, other than that is gravy. So just spend a majority around a majority of your time just keeping them alive and safe. That's it. Okay, that's it, man. Um, I really like it. I've got two kids, and I I love them. I think they're just I think they're amazing, and they're I funny mean, was- and cheeky, and they fucking eat a lot. And you know, my I've got a ten year old now, and it, you get to a point where he, he said to me. I know both P words. I know both swear words that begin with P. And I went, okay, well, you can say it because we're in the car and it's just us. He said, pussy and piss. <laughs> <laughs> those are both, the, those That's are the it. only two that I can think of. Well, I keep saying to him, there's, there's two that you get when you're 18, you get a little letter and there's two secret ones there that I can't tell you. <laughs> no, I know them all. I know them all. Well, I'm just, I'm, I am wondering about that because, you know, when I was growing up, it's, I couldn't, I wasn't like allowed to swear, but my parents had no content filters in terms of like, you know, I was watching Richard Pryor comedy specials and Eddie Murphy movies and, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and they were fine with all of that. But I wonder if like, I wonder if I'll be the kind of parent who's like, yeah, fucking swear. I don't care. Whatever. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to grow up on the internet probably. And you're going to see way where, so I have no idea like what my, yeah. or if I'm, something's going to wake up or it'll be like, 
listen up, Mister or Missy. You can't talk like that. That's those are those are off limits words. I don't mind. I don't mind swearing around him a little bit. You know, I think he he knows that they're special. But I'm happy for him to every now and again he can say one in the car, or if he wants to say one, I'm happy for him to just kind of say it just to get it out of his system. You know. Has has he watched any of your movies yet? Um, I think he started to watch. He watched Paul. My ex-wife and I had a conversation and it kind of said, hey, you can probably watch Paul. And then we all watched it together. And then, you know, like 20 minutes in and Kristen Wiig saying, titty twatting bumfire. We were like, oh, maybe, <clears throat> maybe not. Two <laughs> figures comes out today and I said he can watch that. But I think that's going to really terrify him. But I watched The Exorcist when I was 10, so fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you gotta, you put on the exercise, like, shut the fuck up. This yeah. is, this is important. Yeah. Well, you know, like when, when, when we were growing up, it was, uh, obviously there's content now for, there's any kind of niche, anything. There's like very specific kids programming and there was kids programming when we were growing up, but it was, but again, you know, like, I feel like my parent, our parents probably won't let us watch a lot of adult things. Yeah. But then it's like, if you hadn't watched Exorcist as a kid, maybe you wouldn't have grown up to be a horror fan. Maybe there wouldn't have been a Shaun of the Dead. Like, so yeah, it's like, there's a good argument to be made for like, well, maybe yeah. it's not too bad. You know, look, I think uh, being a dad, I think I'm kind of happier for him to watch Poltergeist than to go onto fucking TikTok and see someone be beheaded. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, right. That's the thing. That's that. That's what I don't want him to see, which is so terrifying now in terms of him being able to go online a little bit, you know, uh, uh, and see and see. You know, that's what I'd like him to avoid because it's like that that kind of shit you can never unsee. I mean, when I was a kid, if I found like a, a fraction of a porno mag in a bag over a a piece of wasteland that to me was fucking exciting and fun but now it's like yeah, it's- well, well i what i don't understand is what was happening in the 70s and 80s where because i think that like finding a, a a porno mag in a bag like with a bottle of alcohol in a log like <laughs> <laughs> who was who was stashing i mean that was basically our internet when we were growing up you know it was like oh there's this bag in a log what's this oh my gosh like who was were those other like teenage kids who like didn't want to hide it in their bedroom was it just some weird like why why was there so much porn stashed out in nature when we were think, growing up i think i'm gonna kind of start doing that for my 10 year old like the way they the way they feed pandas in the zoo to keep it interesting, where he has to kind of hunt for bits and pieces of it everywhere. I might stop putting it around the place. Well, that is like, you know, not just for that, but like our content when we were growing up, we really had to hunt and peck for. Like, I remember if it hadn't been for MTV in the 80s, I don't, I would not have been exposed to the young ones. I don't think I would have necessarily been exposed to Monty Python, which they ran. You know, like it, but then anything else beyond that, you had to like have a really cool video store in your town or yeah. like, or like a friend who was really into indie stuff that somehow had someone send them a tape from like the UK or something. And now it's just all content is just all accessible now on our devices at all. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, my old, eldest is just into watching Fortnite videos. Right. Which I kind of like, you know, because it's like, 
I can sit next to him and I kind of know how games work and he's not sure why I know, but he's kind of happy that, you know, I know how it kind of works. That is really interesting that's, that there's a whole type of storytelling that the Gen Zers are really into, which is just watching other people play games. It's just like watching watching the game unfold in that way, which I guess, I don't know, for me, I'm sort of like... Why would you want to watch someone else play? But obviously there's something to it or every most kids wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah. And he plays too, you know. Also, I'm botch, uh, I'm, I'm boxing videos. I'm, I kind of like that as a, as a notion as well. That's kind of fun to, to watch, you know. Is, it, is that for the voyeuristic experience of like, oh, I can, I'm feeling what that person is feeling unboxing. Like I'm, I'm getting that titillation of surprise or like yeah, yeah. the reveal yeah, watching someone un- unravel, you know, 50 kind eggs. I kind, of <laughs> kind of get that. I, I like that we're, the Gen X generation is the, like, we get to be the, when I was your age, video games were squares, shooting lines at <laughs> yeah. square, fucking kids don't know. <laughs> have, you, have you trotted out, like, any Atari games to your kid and been like, here, this is gaming history. It's important for you to watch this play this no i just no I, I i get that it's we're different you know what i mean i don't want to be that kind of dad that clings on to in our day you know i kind of like the fact that he can teach me things you know about about shit i know nothing about or, or pretend to know nothing about you know do you still play do you play any video games at all still or i, I don't i feel guilty you know, when you've got kids, it kind of takes away. I kind of think I could be doing something, you know, I could be being a dad or there's a nappy somewhere with shit in it that needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, like I think Jack Black has a video game YouTube channel with his kid and they like play, uh-huh. video, they play video games together. Well, I was contacted by a guy uh, like two years ago and he makes... Uh, arcade games you know you can get he gets like you get like 800 games and he he builds you the cabinet you know he said what do you want it to look like and you know i told him i want it white and gold with like gold bars and and like players rings and (laughs) and the, the, the machine's called welcome to the players lounge and you can play like you know 800 games from from back in the day and uh I probably had it set up for three months and played it 10 times. I dropped my kids. We played it a bit and he said, it hurts my eyes. <laughs> uh, and that was it. I never fucking played it again. Yeah. I got a couple of those too, those multicades. And it's like, I played joust a bunch and then I, I played it like a handful of times. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, I still buy games for like my Xbox and, PS4 and stuff, and I'll probably get a PS5, although I'll fucking never use it. But I kind of like the fact I've got a game, you know. I'm watching my kid play like a Grand Theft Auto, not Grand Theft Auto. What's the uh, what's the really uh, Grand Turismo? You know, I love that game. I spent hours just getting the shittest car and then building it up. And but my kid now, which is probably a generational thing, wants to spend a million dollars and buy a Lamborghini straight away that he has no. <laughs> No, no idea how to drive it, you know, and and as a result, it's no fun, you know. Right, right. He crashes. He just exp- he accelerates and just crashes straight away, and then he's bored of it. 
It's like, oh, you miss it. You have to start with the little cars and it teaches you how to drive the big car, you know. <laughs> you, there's a progression. There's a, yes. yeah, you got to learn. It's got to, no, no, I just want the fucking Lamborghini. I just want to, I just want to pay the money and get the results. Yes, exactly. I do, I do love that our, that our like Gen X indoor kid version of throwing a, a baseball in the backyard is like us playing like Gran Turismo where the kid are like sitting and playing <laughs> games. Like that's our, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to be the dad that's going to be like, let's get a baseball glove and go in the yard, you know. But and, oddly, they like that weirdly. When I say to my kid, come on, let's get the rugby ball out. Let's throw the rugby ball. He's like, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think he just seems to be a, some, some big fucking gruff badger that sits around writing and is on telly a bit and <laughs> makes them all eat ragu I've spent four hours making. But, you know. I'm not like an outside dad. I'm not that guy. I sometimes see, you know, my partner looking at younger dads as they run like idiots across the playground to kind of throw their child in the air. I kind of see her looking jealously at him thinking, God, I wish he was slightly younger. But it's a different, I'm a different kind of dad. You know, I'm a very kind of cool dad with lots of wisdom. <laughs> and I'm not gonna run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I don't gotta prove nothing. I'm gonna oh, run yeah. around to show off like that fucking peacock dad over there. Yeah. I'll let you say piss and pussy. <laughs> what do you want? You wanna throw the ball or you wanna say swears? You get I... one or the other. <laughs> yeah, but I I I often wonder what I'm gonna do if my kid is like super into sports because I just they just don't register in my brain. And so I I mean, obviously, that will be in the same way that my parents didn't necessarily understand like all of the Steve Martin and Monty Python comedy that I was into. They uh, fostered it because they recognized that I loved it. And my version of that will be if I have a kid who's into sports, I'm going to have to figure out how to be interested (laughs) in it for them. You know? Yeah. Uh... Are they in school? So is is there are you homeschooling right now? Are you? No, the schools are still open. Oh, they they were closed for months and months and months, but they, they've reopened, and I think they're trying to keep them open as long as they can. Uh, but a sense of second uh, shutdown is looming. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. And uh, are you going to go back? You're just going to stay out here till April. I have to stay. I have to stay here, yeah, until we wrap. Yeah. When did you guys do Truth Seekers? We shot, uh, what month is it now? October. We shot. <laughs> That's the theme of the fucking year. What month is it? It's October. Yeah, we shot like um, October, November, December last year. Oh, that's cool. Oh, oh, so you guys, you guys, you kind of made it in just under the wire. We did, but it kind of, our editing process kind of got shafted slightly and uh, we had to sit on it for a little bit. But yeah, we, we made it, we made it just. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, 
Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. I always love the, and I feel like it's, like the British comedy community feels more like a community to me in the sense that like, you know, y'all go off and do big movies or do big TV series. And it's like, oh, you know what? We're friends. Let's just go make a thing together because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And so is that, did you and Simon co-write this show? Well, yes. I mean, it was James Serafinovitz and oh, I yeah. kind of co-created it. And then, you know, him and Nat are very close and have been working together for a long time. And we did a show called Sick Note together. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then obviously Simon's part of, Stolen Picture, who, who produced the show, and, you know, we wanted to get him. So we all wrote episode one, and then we kind of divvied out the rest of the season. And yeah. then we all came and wrote episode two. And it was... Yeah, I mean, it was a way to hang out. You know, sadly, we had to shoot Simon out in a week because of the stuff he's doing. But that worked great because it meant, you know, it was kind of a grueling shoot. So we got him at the end. So he kind of... He brought like a new verb onto the set, you know. He brought a new energy that that I could feed off of. Yeah, yeah. And are you guys? <clears throat> is was this just a self-contained one-season thing, or is it like is it open-ended? Well, we've open-ended it. I mean, it it would be it would be not. I mean, we part of the kind of deal and getting it into production and stuff was. Do you have another season? Is there another? Is there a three-season arc here, potentially? So I think we got another couple. Yeah, I mean, it would be lovely to think we could do it again. I'd love to be Gus again. And Samson, who plays Elton John, he's uh, he's a lovely, lovely young man. He's a great actor and he's a good friend. And just the chance to sit in our kind of Scooby-Doo van that we've got in the show and just hang out and chat would be a great, it would be a lovely, lovely thing to do again. How is your pitch process now? Is it is this a show where it's like, look, here's who's involved. Here's kind of generally what it's about. Do you want this or do you not want this? Or do you, it's like, because when I go through like show pitch stuff, I feel like it's so detailed. It's like, they want to know like, here's the season one arc. Here's all the character arcs. Here's where it could go second and third and fourth season. Although things right. don't really go more than three seasons now, yeah. which is not uncommon in the UK, but you know, but uh, is your... Or, are you at that point yet where you can go like, yeah, it's us just buy the show. Well, not, I mean, a little bit maybe, but you know, we had a really good idea and we had good characters and, you know, we'd written a couple of good episodes and there was a lot there for them to see. And, uh, you know, I'm, if, if I couldn't pitch a show to save my fucking life, <laughs> I'm just terrible at it. That's not how my brain works. I'd rather write a script and say, here's the script or here is a right breakdown of characters you know that's I kind of think of strength but Nat, Nat and James are great at pitching and you'd go and sit in with them and Nat's just got that like American 
pitch aesthetic, you know what I mean? He knows exactly what they're looking for. And it's great to watch, you know, it's something I could learn a lot. I could learn a lot from that, you know. Um, but then I think there's, there's a thing when we're in the room and they see how into it we are and how into it, you know, how much we like each other. And there's a lot of laughter in the meetings, which is always a good thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I, you have the type of career that I think is the perfect career because it's like you do, you, you're able to go do other, other people's stuff and then you're able to bounce back and forth and do stuff with your friends, do stuff that you've written. But do you have a preference? Like, would you, so you're, you're going, when you're doing this show, Why Women Kill, you're just, I would imagine you're just an actor on that show, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think, yes, definitely, I'm just an actor on this, but I'd like to think as, as you have a voice in terms of saying, hey, what about this? Or, you know, can we but you don't have to shoulder the responsibility of like, no. I mean it in a good way where it's oh like, my God. No. Not, I don't mean just an actor like that's not enough. I just mean like, oh, you don't have to worry about the production. You don't have to worry about the script or, or it's just like, you just get to focus on your own part. Yeah. Yes. Look, I mean, I think, I think if you had asked me two years ago, I, I, my answer would have been different in terms of, I kind of feel like it is my business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I, I do have to take it on my shoulders. And I, you know, when I did Into the Badlands, that was, that was, I loved that show so much, but I, you know, I took a lot of the burden, the responsibility in terms of I'm in Ireland, I'm going to rewrite this little bit and it doesn't, you know, and that became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I fucking loved it and I loved doing it, but it took a lot out of me, you know, Uh, just in terms of that show was more important to me at that point than my family, you know. I was in Ireland and I shot the show and that's what we did. You know, we did rewrites and we shot and we did fighting and, you know, so to come and just do something like Why Women Kill and, and just be an actor for hire and to try and keep my fucking nose out of everyone's business is, that's going to be a real challenge for me, you know. But, but you know, I think the older I'm getting, the more I realise, just let go. That's not, you know, say your business, do your business do what you got to do and let other people worry about that. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't care as much because I, I care as much as I did, but you know, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to phone up the AD and say, Hey, uh, you got a spelling mistake in your call sheet. <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, that's, I think that's also the balance stuff too, where it's like, as you, you know, again, as you start to get a little bit older, you, you only have a finite amount of energy. And then some things it's just like, God, I, I just don't, I think I would rather just lead a balanced, happy life rather than have to stress and micromanage every detail and worry about, you know, is like, I know I'll go work and then that'll be work. And then that'll, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it ultimately the goal is to be happy, right? Like not to chase happiness. Like, Oh, if I do all this work, then I'll be happy. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I just be, maybe I just be happy now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been really, that's kind of been my life. I'll make, I'll try and make you happy and then I'll make you, I'll try and make you, I'll solve your problems and then you'll be happy and then I'll be happy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but it just didn't work. It didn't work like that. So yeah, I've had to have a complete rewire the last couple of years in terms of just going to fucking give it, give it up, give it away and I'm going to be happy and then you'll be happy because I'm happy, not the other way around, you know? 
would you want the kind of sort of crazy production deal where you were churning out shows just as a producer in addition to your own personal career? Or do you feel like, you know, I just kind of like to focus on one thing at a time? Um, I, look, I mean, we've got, we got stolen pictures set up. We've got our own production company now. So there is, there is some of that going on. But, you know, it's not at the cost of my own happiness. You know, we've got to, there's got to be a balance there where, fortunately, we have got an, I've got an incredible team who just run the company, you know, and then we, I'm still very much part of that, you know, in day-to-day running of it. But there are certain things that I don't need to be part of, you know. Yeah. And, and also, it's all right to not worry about that. Yeah, it's just everything's shifting and changing so much. And it feels like it feels like there are more opportunities for work because of so many streaming services and so many things, but also kind of less at the moment, too, because a lot of these companies are trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I've I've had pitches where we pitch shows to streaming services and they'd be like, Great, you know, we're still like we still are shifting executives, we kind of don't know. It's like, oh well, why did you why yeah. did you yeah, we've had lots of that, you know, lots of bits of things that we thought were kind of shoe-ins and now everyone's been fired and uh, they've let it go or they've, you know, put it into turnarounds and stuff. But I just think that's part of what's happening. You know, who the fuck knows what's going on? I know, but it, it, I do kind of like that content is all becoming indiscernible from each other, you know, where it used to be like television network cable movies yeah VHS movies you know cable and now it's just like well fucking people don't care and most people are home now anyway all the time and content is content yeah yeah i agree does truth seekers feel like how many episodes you guys do eight does it feel just like an eight hour movie or did it was there an approach to really make it like a no it's like a serialized show or does it just in the construction of the story arc. No, we made it, you know, I mean, there's a, there is an over, overarching tale, um, which we kind of drop in bits here and there as the show goes on. But there are, you know, I like being an X-Files fan. I fucking love Monsters of the Week. And I think working in this kind of genre, it gives you the chance to have a possessed doll and, you know, spirit transference and, you know, loads of little things that we kind of, really like and enjoy you know as a viewer do you watch a lot of the ghost shows yeah well i mean a little bit i find i think i think there's a skeptic in me that like likes to hate hate it you know <laughs> but uh, i'm watching i'm i've been stuck in this hotel for like a week due to quarantine and there's a show called like ancient aliens Oh yeah, which I'm what? Oh my god, uh, I've never screamed so much. I might TikTok me watching it, commenting <laughs> on it. I saw I've a whole thread on Reddit on that show the other day, and it was, I think it was in a, a like a, a historical, like a history thread, and someone was just ranting like, "There, this is irresponsible. They're just taking piecemeal things and then just connecting them." but then they're just putting it out of the world. So people think this is true. And, you know, it's like this person was, their brain was melting. Yeah. So angry about this show. Like, Oh, well this, we found this marking on this thing. And so that must mean this. (laughs) It's like, well, that was, that's a big leap. That's a big leap to make. Is it possible ancient aliens made the Egyptian? No, no, it isn't. (laughs) No, it's not. 
<laughs> but is it a little I don't think so no I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure they didn't I'm pretty sure they didn't yeah it's almost like you know watching Stargate as a documentary like no they didn't <laughs> there wasn't a pyramid shaped spacecraft that landed and uh no no that's not a thing are you saying so Tilk is an alien oh Jesus Christ God well he, he looked like an Egyptian I mean, there can't be that. It's like the line between a show like Ancient Aliens and Doctor Who is so close where it's like, oh, my God, Doctor Who is just like, oh, everything historical, whatever. It's just all aliens. Like basically it would be good aliens. to have him as a talking head and just not mention it. <laughs> yeah, because my wife loves the ghost shows like she love watches them and I hate watch them. And I, I am the person off the side like, oh, come on. Yes. You know. Especially, that, you know, we watched we watched bits of that, and we watched stuff on, you know, lots of YouTube. We watched on on leading up to True Seekers, but you know, we would watch like uh, an exorcism from Argentina, and like ones from Italy, and for the ten ones that were fucking hilarious, there was always one that you think, ah, oh, hey, would that felt a bit weird? That made me feel weird in my willy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little it had a little bit of a shrivel effect like i just kind of yeah. felt like yeah. it was it was retreating it was some, i don't know what it was but it just didn't want to be yes. around just didn't want to be yes. around for this <laughs> same feeling i got as an 11 year old boy watching the omen that's just that weird kind of oh god what was oh. that oh yeah i don't know that felt weird that one just felt a little off do you watch a lot are you do you watch a lot of horror now or do you are you pretty choice uh, yeah yeah i mean i try and watch it all you know i just just for the fun. I watched what, what everyone left the office like uh, two months ago. Everyone left the office really early and I had to stay in town. So I was there on my own. I thought, Oh, you know what? I'm going to watch hereditary. Yep. uh, I just watched it on my own in the office and I had to keep fucking pausing the film to go and look around the office to make sure there wasn't a witch there. (laughs) Hereditary was one of those ones that we watched the first hour of and we pot we stopped it for like a day because we were just super bummed out because we had heard like oh hereditary it's insane and for the first hour it's just like the most depressing intense and beautifully active family drama where it's just like death and crying and screaming and and you just feel like you just feel really uncomfortable and someone was like no no you got to watch the you got to watch the last hour and literally the next scene that older woman shows up and then everything and we're like, Oh fuck. So it, I, I still can't watch. I've never, I can't watch the end of midsummer. Oh really? Oh, I can't do it. I've watched it. I've watched it about four times. I know Florence, <laughs> you know, and I know Sweden as well. So it's, I, it just fucking, it just throws, it makes me feel like I'm seven. I've got flu. Yeah. Just yeah, weird. And that, when that old man jumps off the thing, it's like, oh, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. <laughs> it's that lingering uncomfortable. I think. It, I think that. I think the sub term, the subgenre term for now is elevated horror, where it's like insane cinematography, beautifully acted, and then they. It's like an hour and a half of just making you feel uncomfortable because you know something's going on, and then like the last ten minutes, like what the fuck, you know, <laughs> just like a weird. It just all ties together. You see it's shot in the day and there's like lovely meadows everywhere and you kind of think, well, not the Swedes. Surely not the Swedes. <laughs> you know, if it's set in Russia, I kind of get it. Or, you know, but not Sweden. 
<laughs> but all the countries kind of have their own, like Sweden has these really great picturesque, you know, br- kind of broad sweeping, gorgeous landscape. And then there's, some, it's almost like there's fucking creepy shit in the forest. Yes. And then, yeah. And Irish horror is like broad sweeping, gorgeous. There's something creepy. There's fucking bog people. There's weird bog witches. You and know? they're drunk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the horror we grew up on, it just, they didn't really waste any time kind of just like getting to it. It was just like, you know, it's just like the opening of Jaws. Someone dies within the first five minutes, you know, like, or or any of the slasher stuff that we watch. It's like some people start dying right away and then you kind of know what it is. And now it's this kind of like, they're just kind of fucking with your sense of comfort for a while. Yes, that's that's the... That's the weirdness for me, you know, that, that weird off, something slightly off. I'm, com- I'm going to come down with a cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that feeling like the day before you get sick. Mm, I just, I don't know. I, my eyes hurt. My eyes hurt. I taste, it tastes like copper. I don't know. Something's weird. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Do you... Do you have a preference for the kind of like do you do you do you like do you want to make that kind of thing or is that just something that you watch and just go well that's it's not really my thing but I get it I appreciate what it is. I wrote, I've written a, I've written a, in lockdown I wrote a horror story which we sold to Orion which I think since the covid thing like we've had to turn it around sadly. But that that's uh you know that's set on a Swedish on a remote Swedish island in a a British family come and rent an Airbnb from a guy they shouldn't have rented an Airbnb from. And, you know, the whole fucking island is weird and, and shit, shit starts going down, you know. It's a bit like Cabin Fever meets Midsummer, I'd say. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because as a, I feel like I've wanted to write a horror movie for the longest time. And I feel like because I watch so many things, it's made it different. It's made my internal critic really harsh for when I start to write something, I go, Oh no, that's like this one movie. Ah, that's just a trope. No, you can't do that. Oh God, really? You know? And so it's, it's very hard for me to sit down and write one because I just feel like I've seen so many, I can never be satisfied with what I come up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm kind of the same. It's, uh, but again, this comes back to the, what, you know, being able to witness real horrors on, on the internet, you know, what's more frightening than, I, th- I guess if I ever made a horror film, it would be like a three minute compilation of beheadings and 
like guys opening their tax bill and uh you know people being told their father had cancer and right just really just that only three minutes that's all you need yeah that you're just you're running the spectrum of dread it's just all of the just yeah. all of the most dreaded like oh anything that just makes oh you feel like oh god. oh my god you get getting oh. a text from your wife and it just says call me oh my god <laughs> oh fuck I get those emails sometimes from people where they just go, I need to talk to you. Are you available to talk? And I get so fucking anxious and I've, I've not done it, but I almost just want to, when people answer the phone, I'm like, why would you send me that email? Would you just yeah. tell me what you want to talk about? Why? Yes. Yeah. Hey, um, it's usually nothing. It's usually just like, Oh, I was wondering, would, um, you know, are you free to, yeah. like, why didn't you just ask me if I was free to do something in the email? I got that. Yeah. Hey, are you, are you driving? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, can you pull over a second? Oh, oh, oh no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> and it's almost never anything. And then all of your just all your internal alarm systems, yeah. just firing adrenaline through your oh, body. You can't need to pull over for that, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, one of my dreads in me is coming downstairs and the television's off. That's a that's a childhood thing for me. That that's that's a feeling of dread. If, if the TV's not on, it means someone's dead. Oh, because it's like we have to talk to you. Yeah, the TV's off now. We're just gonna yeah. have to sit in silence and weep. In general, because it, it does feel like we have to talk should just be reserved. Like we have to talk isn't like so. Uh, do you want to go to In-N-Out for dinner? Or we, yeah. it's like, you could have just said, do you want to go to In-N-Out? You know, like why we have to talk is like that. There's a weight to that. Like, yeah, only <laughs> yeah. be reserved for the most serious situations, but just not, don't be a casual. We have to talk person. You have to use those sparingly. Yes. We'll put a kiss at the end. Yeah. <laughs> or a winky face wait was the winky face does that mean ironically something horrible happened <laughs> <laughs> hope no one died call me wait what winky face wait what did someone die no i just was saying i hope no one did i'm gonna pull over <laughs> what was the pullover conversation about was it something stupid no someone had died oh shit okay well all right like, i've had it i've had it before when it wasn't that you know yeah, 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 yeah. But there is real, I think some people do that and they know what they're doing because they do, like when it's not serious, because they know that you're going to call them right away or yeah. they know that you're going to, they're going to have your full attention. Uh, and so it, to me, sometimes feels, feels like a bit of a tactic when it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else are you, uh, are you, so you finished writing this horror movie. Yeah. Are you just taking the break until you start working? Are you not going to do anything else once you start shooting the show? Or does uh, your brain... No, I mean, apart from the company, I'm not going to do anything else. Well, I'm going to see what the schedule's like. You know, it looks kind of cool so far because I'm not in every scene. So, you know, I think it's going to be not... I've got a swimming pool in the house. I've never had a pool before. It was amazing. Uh, oh, in, in the actual house you're staying in? Or... In LA, yeah. So... I'm going to swim. I haven't been able to swim for like a year because you're not allowed to swim at home. So I'm going to swim and I'm going to hang out and, you know, going to be with my kids and, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, I've got the, still got the company and stuff to do, but I don't think I'm going to write anything. I think we're going to 
potentially look for some kind of stories for a season two of True Seekers, should, should the algorithm permit it. <laughs> uh, we're we're all in service to the algorithm now. <laughs> yeah, uh, which there's an odd comfort for me in that. I just think, ah, oh, we'll see what the algorithm says. It's handing it over, you know. It's handing over that fear of oh shit, what if? It's just like, well, if the algorithm says yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, but it reminds me of this old Twilight Zone episode where they they're basically. The whole time they they keep talking about like some like prophet in a cave or like a god in a cave or something, and they get into the cave and it's a fucking computer. It's like right. an old sixties right. like you know computer vac kind of computer yeah. that's telling. It's like oh that kind of happens. You know that's kind of what we're doing. That's where we are now. Yeah, so we don't get to go into a cave. But do you feel like it's? I wonder if the algorithm is really like more of a true meritocracy and then like just an executive picking and choosing shows because well, it's a way of very detailed information. Everyone turned off at this minute. Yeah. I guess it's a way of not get someone not getting their hands dirty. If they can get to blame an algorithm. Yeah. It's just someone, it's just Oz sat in a room saying no, yes, no, you know, but it is odd to think that, you know, uh, well, Amazon in particular just has more Amazon. Well, actually, all the all the all the digital platforms just have so much data on human behavior patterns. Yes, that they know exactly. Like, well, you know, if we do this in a certain way with a certain, then we'll probably yield this result. Like that is an that is that is that is an eerie amount of information to have about people. Yeah, I guess it's a way of uh, looking into the future, right? supposedly yeah but it is still funny that they that you at the core of it though it's still like well with art you never know you know you think you know (laughs) you know it's like you work on something you love it you think it's great no one watches it you work on something else you don't think twice about it it becomes a big you just don't fucking know you never know yeah yeah that's something the algorithm will never be able to get to grips with but i also think that comedy conditions us to be too result oriented because we have to Comedy has a specific result, which is people laughing. Basically, yeah. people laughing or having a good time. Drama can make people feel a variety of things. But with comedy, it's like, no, it's pretty cut and dry. They either think yeah. it's funny or they don't think it's funny. Yeah, well, I think that's, I think that's a kind of something that's been level, leveled at Truth Seekers in terms of people have found it weird that it's not like, like a sketch comedy. You know, it's like it's, there are different... You know, I think there are different kinds of comedy. I think this is gentle and and slightly haunted and, and you know, it's about people searching for and coping with loss, you know, and dealing yeah. with loss. You know, it was never going to be a set them up, knock them down kind of thing. And that's a, you know, that's kind of, that's frustrating as a, as a filmmaker because it's, you know, you, you can't ever you can't change people's expectations of what you should do, of what right. they think you should do, you know? Right. Yeah. But I think ultimately that's when you just kind of do what you're driven to do. I mean, but it's one of the reasons why Shaun of the Dead was so great is because there were comedic moments in it, but there were also really in the midst of all this craziness, some really beautiful, true human moments and sad moments yeah. too. Yeah. Like it wasn't it, you know, I think Sean was one of those movies that, that really, started to show like, oh, a movie can be a bit of everything. It doesn't have to be all slapstick or all this kind of comedy or all this. It can, it can have all of these shades of it. But that's, pe- that's people, isn't it? I mean, that's humans, right? Right. 
uh, I think that's why that works. I think that's why what we do resonates with people because if, if your characters are human beings, then they, they care, that people care more about them, you know? Yeah. But I also understand that, especially having done like the Cornetto films, that when people hear some of your names together, they go, oh, it's going to be this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I think I'm just aware that we sh- I should keep moving forward, you know, and yeah. try. I'd like to think that I haven't made the best thing I'm ever going to make yet. You know, I'd like to not just sit on old victories and think, hey, let's do that again. Let's try and, you know, it's... And I think in doing, in doing that, maybe you'll disappoint a few people along the way, but I think that way there might be a true longevity in terms of a career, you know. I agree. And you'll also condition people to expect the unexpected from you if you keep doing things that aren't expected. But I think there's all, you're always going to disappoint. You know, it's just like a band that has a really popular first album. And the second album, if they recreate the first album, then people will go, oh, they just redid the first album. And then if they do something totally different, well, why didn't they do more of the first? It's like, I just do what, yeah. make what you want to make, you know? Do, yeah, do what you want to do. That's, that's a good... Um... That's a good catchphrase. Have the, is, there any, is there anything kind of noodling in the back of your head when you say, like, well, I haven't made the best thing I'm going to make yet? Is there a type of a thing that you want to do? Is there a direction that you think is a, is, a, is a wild departure from everything that you've done so far? Do you have a specific idea of what that would be? I don't know. I mean, I think this, I think Why Women Kill, I think there's a real, I think I can really do a real job, you know, if I concentrate and, and put a shift in. I think I can really do something in this yeah something completely different you know yeah i mean if do you see like the dramatic acting path is this is this a path that you would really want to pursue or do you want to keep kind of going back and forth no a lot i mean i love i like comedy i like you know i don't i don't see why i I, I don't see why you can't have both at the same time yeah that feels nice and real to me, you know? Yeah. I do find that a lot of really great comedy actors make phenomenal dramatic actors because I think there is a certain amount of depth with comedy. There's a certain amount of awareness when you're playing comedy and a certain amount of sensitivity to the world and and your environment that I think is also absolutely necessary to be a a dramatic actor. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Let's see. I'm just going to try my fucking hardest and, are you, the type, are you the type of person that goes through, like, will you, will you kind of get a sense of what the script is? Or do you like, do you go through it t- over and over and over and over and over again and have everything down and then, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I've been sat in this room for a week just learning dialogue. <clears throat> so it's, um, I think it's just, a, that's just a fear of being underprepared. Right. You know, I think I could have probably knocked off on Wednesday and then, Spent the last two days enjoying an A&E 48-hour marathon. Uh, but I haven't, you know, I've just kept going on and on and on and on and on. I just, I think it's just a fear of not, uh, of fucking up in front of people and not being prepared and, you know. Do you have someone that reads with you or do you just pace around and say everything out loud? No, I just sit and say it loads of times and... I write a lot, write lots of notes and little trigger words. and But, you know, I think it enables me to be freer when I get on set, you know. 
just if I know it all, then I can I can be freer around it and make it seem like it's just the first time I've said it, you know. But that's pretty much with anything. It's like you have to you have to know it so well that you can forget it. I can do it badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you can forget. My, yeah. yeah, I have to say to myself a lot. Put it down. It's enough. You've done enough. You know. Yeah, because you 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 need to know it, but then be free to, I guess, be in the moment or at least have it feel fresh well, to you. Especially with you know the American kind of shape is, you'll probably get a lot of changes the day you shoot anyway. So, uh, you need to be able to dump it and and work work around it. You know. Or you could just be like, oh, gosh, I'm really sorry. I learned it the other way. So can, can oh, we just... Can we not do it like that? Oh, are you mad? I'm sorry. I can't do this. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, I'm just doing a thing with Joss Whedon for, for HBO. And that was, um, you know, I shot a lot of my stuff in October, November last year and then essentially had a year off. And then had to come back and, and shoot, like, big, long scenes of dialogue uh, after not acting for a year, was just terrible. I was so fucking afraid and nervous, you know. But a couple of hours in, you kind of got that feeling. And I said to the other actor I was working with, I, I remember now why I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, how do you practice that? Especially if you're alone and isolated. What do you, do you do monologues? Like, what are you supposed <laughs> yeah. to Huh. You, you just put on like outfits oh i have a cape i'm gonna do models yeah. in my living room i don't know i don't know how you're supposed to practice acting i'm gonna learn a paragraph of a magazine <laughs> <laughs> how to make the perfect summer stew you know i have no <laughs> i have no idea i mean it it is it it really is something that you need other people to do like you can't it's just like with stand-up you can't you need an audience. If there's no audience, how do you yeah. do how do you do that? I don't know. I don't know how you keep that craft going. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're home in your LA home. You're gonna swim, even though it's starting to get cold for LA, because you're from the UK and this is not cold. <laughs> oh, no, no way. It's really even like in January, I'll still be out there pounding the pool. It will be lovely and warm. Ah, uh, that's nice. That's really nice. Is there anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to talk about? Is there? I feel like this is like your third or fourth time on the podcast. Yeah, man. No, I'm all good. I mean, if I'm honest, I really need the bathroom, so I'd be uh... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I could just move the whole unit in there, and we just sit and pray nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I think I'm all good, man. Good. Well, uh, I will let you go use the restroom as, as your eyes just start to glaze over and I, it's like <laughs> something's going on. Uh, I'm going to have to phone room service to come up and change this uh, dump that I left. You call room service and go, we really need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, Nick Frost. Take care. Bye-bye. Nice bye. to see you at the end. ID Tanti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's 
no cost to join us. In Pura, he promised to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.